It's not always fun and games for first responders. Zero five central, you show me in pursuit. But sometimes it is. Oh my God, he's not wearing pants again. Sometimes it's dangerous. Flipping around, look out, look out, look out. Sometimes it's not. Antler Boulevard for a snake in a house. And sometimes it's just plain stupid. Chihuahua in his lap on a lawnmower. This is the stupid side of first response. Do I really have to go to that? This is code 0.5. Come in 0.5. Hey guys, Jason again with my co-host Rich and we're still in the Victory Studios. We haven't been kicked out. Yes, no eviction notice yet. Yeah, and then uh, freaking Rennick showed up. Yeah. You know, the whole, you feed a stray dog and it never goes away. Yeah. Yeah, he's back. Which will probably end up with an eviction notice because you know he'll be passed out on the floor, snow cone drunk. Well, I evict his ass right now. And then uh, on today's episode, we've got a, uh, a guest with us. I'm going to call him Special Agent Logan. Yeah. <laughs> the fat boy himself, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. But he's got some uh, law enforcement background. He's got some stuff he can talk to us about. But before he talks about any of his law enforcement stories, I have something that I've been wanting to ask him. I've heard some stuff, and I need him to clear the air. I heard at one point that when the Renix came down here, he had no place to go. So you two, he had, like, no furniture or nothing, and you two were, like, spooning together every night. So like you oh, shared the bed and everything, and you let the Renick stay with you, and that's so that's kind of correct. Uh, I made him, be the, uh, I made him be the little spoon though. So like we try to keep it consistent. That way, but yeah, so he didn't. He was a little spoon with me for a while, for probably six months or so. Now see, I've heard the stories of Rich having to work with his ass. What in the hell was it like living with him? You know, so. For the most part, our work schedule was kind of opposite, so we didn't really interact with us. We just played a lot of video games, so oh, God bless you. So really, it wasn't. I mean, it really wasn't that bad. He just kind of minded his own, to be fair. So it's not as bad as you would think. So you would work during the day, yeah. So now at night when you were trying to sleep and he was off, was he up all night playing his damn video games? Oh yeah, he he had the weirdest schedule. Like (laughs) you know, he would sleep for like I don't know when, when, what, what time he would sleep, but. uh, I would just be all times of night and day, and just video games going. You know, I'm supposed to be studying for the academy, and I, I hear, I hear like you know, video games going, and I walk in there, and he's got his little bitty ranky laptop for for his cleat stuff going, and then he's just playing video games. I'm like, hey man, I think you're supposed to be focusing on that. Over here. <laughs> oh, I've seen some of his studying, you know, quote unquote, oh, yeah. at the TV, one v one me. <laughs> <laughs> and you think he's really good for the amount of like shitty talks and does stuff. You think he'd be really good, but you know, he wasn't absolutely so kind of wild. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. yeah. Talking trash to five year olds. I'm going to find your mom. You'd be calling me stepdaddy. <laughs> I, see, that's, I, the greatest part, we'll get some of our friends together. They're all cops and play video games, but the amount of, you know, people, the shit they talk to us or the things they say, and you know, we, in this job, you get thick skin, you don't care. But when you get us all together and we start shit talking, these kids or like people that aren't in the same profession, <laughs> are, you get people that are like crying, rage quitting. And you're like, oh, we're awful people. Like, what have we become? You know, you're like, what, what are we? But it, you know, it makes for a great, great time. You feel you know, bad for like half a second, and then you go yeah. on to the next. And then you thing. just remember that like they're gonna just go do it to somebody else too. So yeah, they're gonna yeah. save that one and be like, oh, you are foul. Yeah. <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> but I'm gonna use that. Oh, uh, yeah. So. But no, I mean, honestly, it wasn't too bad. Uh, just kind of minded his own, to be fair. Not as bad as you would think, right? Like, 
working with them is a lot worse than living with them, I think. Ouch. So, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting right. An old lady tickets, you know. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> cornhole boards. <laughs> I was gonna say the reason you haven't been evicted is no cornhole boards here, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, it's all fine. But now, uh, say Rich has talked about before how he, he, you know, sits on his couch, you know, nothing but his tidy whities eating a block of cheese. I don't know if you ever got to witness. No, that. thank God he was clothed most of the time. Except <laughs> when we were spooning, of course. But that was invited. So <laughs> he's got while we're spooning, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the showers were weird, you know. But oh, okay. Thought we weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> well, uh, you know. uh, we were just trying to save water. <laughs> the city I live in. Uh, Bills are expensive. <laughs> Renix did let my water get turned off that one time. Oh, yeah. The, I the city that. came and turned off our water. They're like, you're behind. You're like three months behind on your water bill. And I was like, no, I'm not. And Renix calls me. He's like, the pipes are frozen. The pipes are frozen. Because so like, it was really I cold. I leave work. I like come home. One of my plumber friends is like coming over to take a look at it. And I get there and I'm like, the water like turned on and it comes out for a minute and then just nothing. And I was like, no, they're frozen. And my house is I don't know, built in late 80s, so, you know, it's not. And I was like, man, I've never had the pipes frozen. It was a horrible storm last year, and Renix and I are in there. I'm like, okay, turn on now. We're, like, trying. We're heating up the pipes. we got, like, this heater tape and stuff. And I walk outside of, like, frustration. I walk out a super long driveway. I like, walk down. I'm like, dude, I, you know, this is going to be expensive. And I look over, and there's a big orange, like, notice on my mailbox. And I was like, Renix, what is this? And I don't know. And I look at it, and they're like, oh, you haven't paid your water bill. So I called them, and they were like, Oh, it must have been for the wrong house. You can just turn it back on. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> so I had all these, I had already paid a plumber to come out. It was great. Uh-huh. It's all Rick's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how does that work? Is you paying him, telling him, giving him the money to go pay the water? No, bill yeah, yeah, he not doing it. <laughs> Buying all his Taco Bell with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, that was the most dangerous part of him living there is that, you know, so like I, I'm outside of town, but I'm like five minutes from down, like this in the city I live in, all the businesses. So it made it easy. Just, I'm just going to run over here and get some food, or like DoorDash and food. You know, when you're out here in the, the boonies, you can't do that. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably cause for some of his weight gain. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you noticed out there at Taco Bell, the one that he frequents, that they've got, they used to have the two drive through lanes. You know, they have a third one now. <laughs> Is that for Renix? <laughs> the Renix line. This order's so larger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the extended weight line. Uh, Renix is the kind of guy that, you know, if you go to Sonic, there's like, there's the drive in, you know, you pull in and park, you order food, and then there's the like pull around that you can get drinks and stuff. Yeah. He's a guy that like orders a full on meal and then parks right there and interrupts everybody for the next 20 minutes. At the drive through yeah. part? Yeah. See, yeah. you are a bastard. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the worst kind of person. He's like, hmm. I wonder who else's day I can fuck yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're supposed to order it to drive through. Yeah. Everybody yeah. will go on like rants on Facebook about how this is only for drinks and blah, blah, blah. Order ahead, man. The app, you get a discount, like show up and it's all. You ready. show me on, on anywhere at a Sonic where it says the drive through is specifically for See, drinks. this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> the worst kind of per- common it's knowledge. Courtesy, asshole. Like, I just, like, I it's like uh, an unwritten rule. Man. Yeah. You just, you know, God. But. Now, so yeah, and I remember, so it was probably our first week down here pulling over the old city judge. That oh, was, that one, yeah. I still blame you for it. Uh, I came <laughs> whipping in, and okay, and he's standing up there at the freaking driver's side window talking to the judge, and I was like, "What are you doing?" He was like, "I'm trying to get this guy's information." I was like, 
That's the judge. Let him go. <laughs> so, what, what do we call Smelly Kid that got washed out of the academy? Mayonnaise. Oh, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Okay. <laughs> so I got forced for mayonnaise to ride with me, mind you, which this kid smelt so bad. Okay. I didn't know that part. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. like, okay. So I, it was awful. Like I went and I bought Febreze at the store here and shh. And he was like, ah, oh, sorry. I was like, no, God. Anyway, so we get behind this, this, you know, in this in this town, there's not a, a lot of new vehicles, we'll say, okay? So we get behind this, and he's all over the road, all over, across the center line, coming back across, going over, and doesn't stop all the way to the stop sign, turns. We're behind him for a while. Doesn't use his blinker. Still all over the road. And he's speeding up and slowing down. So he's doing that, like, okay. So I'm like, okay, this guy's got to be. And it's like 3 a.m. I'm like, this guy's got to be plastered. So we light him up. And he doesn't stop. He just keeps on going. And I was like, okay, here we go. Well, we're doing 35, and it's 25 through there with my lights on behind him. So I blip the sign, eventually he pulls over and, uh, call, you know, call out the plate, get up there. And he says, well, I'm I'm the judge of Blinktown. And I'm like, okay, well, you have your license and insurance with you? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm the judge here. And I was like, okay, do you have your license and insurance with you? <laughs> and he's like, I, like I said, I'm the judge here, and I'm – the fire chief. And I was like, well, that's unfortunate, uh, but I don't know you. So I need your license and your insurance. And so he starts to dig. He's like, are you serious about this? He's like, and all of a sudden, Rennick comes flying up behind him. He slams on the brake and he comes waddling up there. And it's like, <laughs> hey, man, this is, this is the, I was like, well, I, okay. Like, I don't know him. Like, you know, he could be anybody. Yeah. Congratulations. And it, the funniest thing I will, yeah. The funniest thing I did ever see, he looks at me and he goes, you know, it's a, bro, it's a bold claim to say you're the judge of a, this size of a town. You know, he was like, why would I lie about that? He said, it's not really a status symbol. And I was like, that, 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 that's fair, I guess. And then he's like, yeah, and then he argues, like, well, you don't have to use your blinker if there's no traffic. If there's no one behind you, you don't have to use your blinker. And I was like, well, where do you think I was whenever this all took place? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, behind you. I've been behind you since we got into town. Like, I, And he was he was not very happy about it. So, <laughs> so the greatest part is that guy's brother works with my dad. Really? And so uh, his brother comes in and was talking shit. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy pulled over my brother, said this, that, and the other. And like, like, but of course, he had no idea the relation. <laughs> and so he's like talking all this shit and starts talking about the police department, the people, some of the people that work here and this, that, and the other. And so I guess eventually my dad was like, all right, hey, listen, man, uh, I'm going to give you one chance to just shut up. And like, we're going to move on. <laughs> or he's like, oh, I had no idea, man. I'm so sorry. But the, uh, the transition from, so it went from, you know, a pretty decent sized town that stays big near the metro or stays pretty busy during the metro to out here and back out there. I could never go back to a small town again. Like what you guys do, you know, it's completely different. It's the, Mm. the job is just totally different. You know, you guys are like social workers with guns and most, most of these scenarios dealing with people and um, stuff. And even our side, I mean, our, our city is not that big, you know, but relatively speaking, our call volume and stuff is just different. And, you know, the locality is different, but it was a huge eye opener to come out here, you know, and I grew up in a small town, but nothing like this, you know, it's probably twice, three times the size of this and had a lot more business and like, you know, tax revenue stuff. And so the police department, even there was totally different. The sheriff's office helped patrol stuff too. So, but yeah, so I appreciate the opportunity, but never again. <laughs> Social workers with guns is actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's like, and that's the thing is a look at a lot of stuff. And then. You know, and then you look at stuff like, you know, I see you guys on fire calls because I can still see you on our, our CAD system, you know, and fire calls. We got a, I was on, on patrol the other night and hear on the radio that the oldest a major is uh, 
going to comedy or fire fire truck. Uh, we do <laughs> that quite often. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I like it. So. They finally just gave us the code. We stopped having to pop the door. Yeah. <laughs> we, broke, we broke a couple knives, Jimmy and that, to get in there to steal a fire truck. First time that happened, dude, I was like, oh, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> Ooh, he's going to be pissed. Tell him he's got the money to replace it. It's fine. Just leaves the door open for you. Yeah. So Renix, you know, he always talks about his DOC training that he received oh, before he yes. camp. So the <laughs> yes, lowest, the lowest facility. Oh, right? no. And... Uh, uh, so we, I used to work for the, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and they actually so we have a transfer center in Oklahoma City, and uh, it's ran by the Marshal Service and the Federal Bureau of Prisons. So marshals are responsible for moving all the inmates. So there's pretrial inmates and sentence inmates and all kind of stuff. So we had the other thing. But I keep hearing these war stories about Renix and his DOC training. But you worked at a camp, right? Like it was a low facility. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I just <laughs> it wasn't like, that how much, great. How like, much fighting happens at a low? Because like ours, we so we make fun of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. There's a thing where you talk about camp. So like. All the CEOs would talk about how great they are and how big of a, you know, how big of a monster they are and all these fights and stuff. They always work at camps, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah, well, how many, like, incident reports? Well, how many people have you charged while you're there whatever? And you start getting the truth. So I'm, I'm just curious because I've got to know this at the at the camp. How many violent offenders are there? They actually have more. They, they kind of started, I want to say it was like 2019-ish. They started incorporating more violent offenders into the, the smaller facilities, um, I guess, to combat the overflow of violent offenders in the I don't believe ones. him, but it's fine. Listen, that's what we were told anyways. When he starts freaking using big words, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll distract him with recycling. Listen, that's just what I was told, okay? Uh-huh. I just, just, I was just it's there. what they say, you know, whoever they is. Yeah, but, they. So, no, I, uh, but <laughs> the federal, I mean, so the federal side was super cool. We got to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, but a lot of cool people. So we talked about Kodak Black. We got to fight him. We got to blow him up with a less lethal grenade. It's wild. That's <laughs> oh, a story I tell, tell everybody that, that story. Listen. Yeah. So uh, so he so he got sentenced to federal prison, um, and he was in a holding facility prior to being sentenced, and he attacked a female guard. So he beat her so badly he ruptured her, uh, like the lining around her intestines, and did some other stuff. Now for the people that don't know who Kodak Black ah. is. They don't, they don't know rapper. who it is. Yeah, so he's a, so he started out on SoundCloud as a rapper. I call him Mumble Rapper, whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. um, and kind of got famous. Um, been on a lot of big label stuff, and my favorite, some of the TikTok audios. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he uh, kind of there, and he got wrapped up for, I think, gun charges is what he was for federal time um, after felony conviction. And uh, so he was there. He beat them up. So because he was disruptive, they brought him to us, and we're considered an uh, administrative level facility, which is the highest like security level. Um, and while he was there, he was very disruptive with us too. So he would refuse to eat. He would throw stuff at staff. He would try to fight people or whatever. So he was a super gremlin. Yeah. And the he thing is, SG he's like, with it. yeah, he's a little bitty <laughs> and he doesn't, well, the thing is he doesn't actually fight. So what he'll do is he'll like attack people, but he won't actually like fight him. But as soon as somebody shows up, that's like willing to throw down with him. He's over. He's like, Oh no, you know, I can't. So he's a toddler. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he, you know, same so he attacked the lady staff. He attacked a couple of the nurses and stuff. But then as soon as staff shows up, he's like, Oh, I, you know, I'm done. I'm done. And you're like, oh, all right. Sure. So he didn't, he didn't actually attack any like male staff. He just, no, he wouldn't. Yeah, no, he wasn't a man. He just attacked people that once the can of ass whooping show. Yeah. He was like, Oh, it's, it's coming. Well, so we get up there and I was like, Hey, you know, man, like the marshals are here. They're going to take transport you to wherever. And he's like, I'm not going. And I was like, well, you're going to go, but it's about are you willing to go, you know? And he's like, nope, not going to do it. So call the lieutenant. It's like, hey, got a guy. He's refusing to come out. Like they're here to pick him up. And they're like, well, he's, you know, tell him he's going to come out. It's like, no. So the lieutenant comes up there and this guy's super cool. And he goes up there and he's like, hey, man, listen, like I get it, you know, whatever, but you're, you're going to be going. So don't make us do anything. He's like, 
fuck you guys, I'm not going. <laughs> the lieutenant calls a warden. And at this time, at this prison, we had a, a warden. And he's notorious, so he's he's been around for – he was the longest-serving warden of Federal Bureau of Prisons. Um, but this man, always in a three-piece suit, come in. He would come in and tear up tear up units. He would come in and, like, grab inmates up, be like, you're coming with me. Like, he'd, he'd go oh, every so day. he'd go to work. Yeah, every yeah. day he would he would take all his administrators, and they would all eat. They would go to a unit and eat lunch with the inmates. He's like, if this food's good enough for them, it's good enough for all of us. So, like, go there. And if on the, he would specifically do it on bad food days because he's trying to get them to change the stuff. And uh, anyway – so he's notorious. In, down in Beaumont, there was a riot, and one of the uh, lieutenants that worked with us, he was his uh, assistant there, and he said they got called to this riot because he cut down all the trees. So Beaumont was the last federal prison to have trees in the yard, and people were throwing contraband at these trees. And so Fox said, hey, he pulled all the inmates out there and said, if you guys – if I catch any more stuff in the tree, I'm going to come and cut them all down. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. A couple weeks later, they cut contraband coming in the trees again. So he brought a chainsaw from home, and he went out there and chopped <laughs> up these trees. And then he bought axes for the inmates and said, hey, until these trees are cleaned up, everybody's locked down. And so for a couple of weeks, the inmates wouldn't do anything. And finally, they're like, all right, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll chop up the trees. So they chopped them up, <laughs> load them up on trailers, and they shipped them all out. I mean, this man – I like this guy. Yeah, he yeah. With an iron now, he, and he was super particular, right? Nothing was ever right. And like one of my biggest things, he'd send back reports or whatever, and he would – he would mark on something, and whenever I review reports or whatever, I go through the whole thing, you know, mark the errors that need to be fixed. Now, he would do one, and he'd crumple it up and be like, don't bring it back till it's fixed. So you fix that error, and then you bring it back, and then he'll find another one midway down and crumple it back up. And, throw it. and you've got to – and so he's super strict about chain of command too, right? So you can't just bring it to him, right? Because everybody else already signed off on it. No, it's got to be – but anyway, so he would come in the units, and he would tear stuff up. He would – Grab up the inmates. He put them there on holds. He'd be like, "Well, you're, now you're stuck here until I tell you you can leave." And like all this other stuff. So we call old Fox, and Fox is like, "Well," and he gives me a list of less lethal munitions. So before we can like make entry, we have like uh, basically a team that'll stack up there and go in. So he says, "You know, you can use two of these Stinger Stinger ball grenades, which are basically they look like a traditional grenade, but instead of like shrapnel or other things, it's little rubber pellets. So there's about." 30 to 40 rubber pellets inside. So you throw it in and then these things bounce all over. And when you throw it inside of a cell that's that small, it goes off. First of all, it's, it's horribly loud. And you'll just hear bing, 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 <laughs> for the next like 20 seconds, right? Followed by like shrieks and screams. And, so. and uh, so he's like, use those. And if that doesn't work, then switch to the foam baton. So it's a 40 millimeter like rubber grenade that you shoot out of the, you know, the 40 millimeter grenade launcher. And they said, if that doesn't work, uh, you can use OC, which I'm allergic to OC, so it's out on that deal. But uh, we also had what was called flash strips. So they're the same power as a flashbang grenade, but they're like a piece of paper. They're thin, and you can slide it under there. And it was designed for people that would barricade doors or whatever and trying to put objects against the doors to keep us from coming in. You could slide those in there. But I've seen inmates that were like standing on top of them when they went off. It'll blow them all the way back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so they would do that. They'd take their matches and be like, hey, man, you know, get up against the door. Don't let them in. So they're all like crammed up against the door. You just – and it blows them all the way back against the wall. And you're like, whoops, you know. And uh, that's unfortunate. So anyway. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. It's a self-correcting so, problem. Yeah, so there's all these steps, right? So you go in there and there's a step called conflict avoidance. And it's got to be somebody that's trained in conflict avoidance. So if you went to hostage negotiator school, if you were a clinical psychologist because we had psychologists on staff all the time, or um, the chaplain for some reason. And the chaplain was a super weird guy. So he's in his like mid-40s. One of the highest paid chaplains in the countries, right? And they all called him the child molester, right? Because that's what he looked like. And uh, he came up there. He has, wow. he has, he has, he has uh, no – all the inmates hated this guy. They wouldn't talk to him. They wouldn't do anything with him. Super nice man, but uh, super weird. Had no social skills for being a chaplain. And he came up there, and I kid you not, he opens the door, the little slot to Kodak Black, and he looks in there, and he said, hey, 
God sent me here to tell you to cuff up. And he says, fuck you. And he says, well, I did everything I could. And he closes the back <laughs> and he walks off. So, so we go up there and we go through a little rhetoric. You know, we have to introduce ourselves. And I tell him, hey, this is, when you tell them step by step, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> No, we're going to do this. And if you can resist, we're going to do this. And if you can to resist, we're going to do this. And then we're going to come in and we're going to like forcefully take you in. And he's like, no, we're not doing it. But they're standing there all scared. And they're like wrapped up in their little mattress, you know, like facing the door using a shield kind of. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this grenade in there. This is your last chance. And he's like, we're not coming out. We're not. All right. So just pull it, chunk it in, close the door, wait a couple seconds. Boom. And you know, you hear the thing and then you hear, oh. Oh man, we gotta stop. So it's a Sally in there going, Come on, like we got we gotta go. Like I'm I don't want any part of this. And he's like, We're not giving up. We're not giving up. And I was like, All right. So I like crack a second one. And I go to open the door and I go to throw it and I throw it and then all of a sudden a pair of hands comes out. I'm like trying to go up and I was like, Oh no. He's like, I'm done, I'm so sorry. He's like, Well, so the Sally cuffs up. And then he takes off running to the back. So he's got cuffs on. He's trying to hide because he don't want to get hit with any more stuff. <laughs> yeah. We are still going to keep using issue until this guy gives up. And uh, so Kodak Black is like, I'm not coming out. You're never going to get me. So he's crawled underneath the bunk at this point. So we take the 40 millimeter and these things will bounce, right? So you just aim at the foot of the bed and just crack one off. <laughs> oh, oh. I was like, you know, you get, and you have to wait five seconds between rounds. I was like giving him commands and he's still not coming out. So. Fire the next one. And then all of a sudden, he just comes crawling out. He's like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. He like planes on the floor. Hey, you got to get up and come to the door. He's like, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. I said, you're going to get up or you're going to get hit with another one. And he's like, nope. So he's just laying there and uh, crank off another one. And then finally, he gets up and comes out. And he's like, well, you guys weren't playing around. And then the, the best part of that after dealing with these people is that Everyone else that's in the special housing unit has heard all this commotion, right? So now they are all terrified. They're like, yeah. guys, whatever they tell you to do, like for the next, like, until the, so the inmates constantly cycle, right? They're like, you're there for like a week to two weeks. So they're constantly cycling. So for that week or two that they're all there and new ones haven't come in, they're telling me, hey, what, somebody new, because dude, don't, don't mess around, man. They're going to, they're going to blow us up. And he's like, oh, okay. No. But Fox, that's the way he comes up there and he's like, oh, yeah, that's what happens when you mess around in my prison, you know? And like, he was great. <laughs> And he was the same one. So they had that riot down at Beaumont. And this guy is working with us. He's telling me, he said, so Fox comes rolling up off duty. And he said he's always wearing a suit. I've still, I've seen this man riding a motorcycle around the metro. I've seen, he's always in a suit. He's carrying a big, big 1911 if he's not in, inside the prison. But uh, he comes rolling up and they're like, Fox, what do you do? He's a real soft spoken guy. And he, he's like, well, uh, here's my credit card. And he's like, all right. He goes, you got to go down there to the, the wall world and uh, buy every gun and bullet they have. And we're going to have to start shooting inmates. They won't come back where they're supposed to be. <laughs> and right. he, said, like, he said, everybody looks at him and so he takes off and he goes down there and they come back. And the, the, luckily the riot was resolved with that issue down, down in Beaumont. But they call it bloody Beaumont from when he was there. Cause it was supposed to be like the most dangerous penitentiary in the country. But yeah, he was great. So, but I'll tell you like, and, and Rennes makes this joke, but DOC prison jail, wherever, it's a great place to start. One, you kind of learn the clientele that you're going to be dealing with on the street as a cop. Uh, you learn to spot your frequent flyers. You learn how to communicate with them. You pick up the lingo. Um, and that's where, like, I, I hear you talk about some of your FTO stories. Those guys that have no experience and you have no expectation of what it is. Like, you just don't believe. You believe everything people tell you. You don't think anything suspicious, right? They're like, mm, yeah. you learn body language and stuff. So it's a great place to start. Now, is it as, uh, you know... The ninja training that Renix claims that it is. No. Yeah. <laughs> I've never claimed any kind of ninja training. Have you seen any training? alarms that work there? Like, no, it's not. You know, it's like most of the people that couldn't be cops. But, like, some of them are cool, you know. But uh, I don't know. I think it's it's very applicable training, all jokes aside. Something that I learned a ton. And, you like, you learn 
you learn really quickly that everybody lies to you. It's one of the biggest things. Because I see even new guys now come out, and this guy will be like, oh, no, that's, like, not what happened. They're like, well, he said that's, like, not what happened. I'm like, yeah, but did you, like, see him the way he was shifty and, like, you know, the way he's acting, like, all the other things that come. And they're like, oh, well, I mean, why would he lie about it? And you're like, everybody lies. Like, you'll figure that out eventually. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think there is, ap- you know, apical parts, but probably not the ninja training Renix games <laughs> that it is. So. Oh. I was going to say, it's hard to believe anything Renix says when yeah. he's – what he is carries it, a lady's AI gun. Oh, yeah. yeah, he carries a lady's gun, but then he's a he's a jackass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wants comical relief that turned into a jackass. <laughs> Dude, I died when I heard that. I was like, I don't, that was the most accurate description I've ever heard. Yeah. Speaking of it being a jackass, so there's this one night we're sitting down here, <clears throat> and we watch a lady blow a stop. Oh my okay? god! I wouldn't say you know she she didn't slow down, but anyway, so she, <laughs> mind you, it's clear. All right, it's super dark. There's nobody coming. You can tell. So Renix pulls her over and he gets her there. And it's an old lady. And I mean, pro- like an old, old lady. And uh, boy, he's whipping out that ticket book faster than you've ever seen. And he goes there, starts arguing with her. I felt bad for her. I tried to get him not to write that ticket. You but. liar. <laughs> <laughs> now, Should she gets I up tell her, them she, what yeah. you really said? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, no. She uh, starts arguing with oh. me. So. Oh, my God. I start to walk back. He looks over at me. He's like. So are you gonna write it or well, not? Well, she she looks at she goes. I've been driving this road for forty something years, and I always stop at that there stop sign. And I was like, well, man, we like we <laughs> not tonight. Yeah, we, we both watched you not stop at that stop sign. She basically just said, "You guys are liars." I was like, "All right, then." Like, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then Rennick says this thing where he doesn't want to tell me what time anything is until like five minutes after I'm supposed to be there. So like that, that we get a court date, apparently. And he texts me like that day. I'm at work. And he's like, hey, you going to make it today at 2? I was like, yeah, if I knew it was today at 2, like a week ago. So I could have been there. But <laughs> So I don't even know if she – did they, they end up finding her guilty of it or not? Because uh, she took it to trial. Yeah, she took it. Uh, I don't remember what happened with that. I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't, Speaking of which, I, I got 10 was... trials on January for Jesus. traffic. Jesus. Yeah, but I'll call it traffic safety. Yeah, but it's like – but I mean, you actually have like – Big stuff there, though. Yeah. Well, but not all the much. Stuff. How much dope do you come across? Honestly, like, lately, it's been all user stuff. We find yeah. a ton of meth, a lot of the, so we find a lot of marijuana, right? But most of that's, like, other stuff, right? So you're mm-hmm. impounding something for DUS, and you find it, or you, like, you're arresting them for a warrant, and you find it. But it normally, it's like a user amount. We'll just seize it for destruction and mm. not do anything. But um, a lot of meth lately, man. A lot, a lot of meth. Um, we're seeing... Fentanyl overdoses as much as anywhere else in the metro. So mm. we're doing two or three of those a week, responding to those. Um, uh, yeah, we've started to see an influx of fentanyl down here. Mm-hmm. So we actually did a training um, a few weeks ago with the ATF um, about responding to fentanyl overdoses and treating them as crime scenes and whatever. Because um, a big thing that you're seeing here is that cops will respond to a overdose and they'll say, well, we don't really know what did it. And we're all smart enough with context clues we could do it. If you walk in and you see somebody shot, you don't go, oh, we'll wait for the medical examiner to get with us because we're not really sure what did it. You, know? right, so you, yeah. you treat it as a, as a homicide. You treat it as an unnatural death. And so basically the ATF came and said, hey, we're getting all these cases where people have not treated it like a crime scene. So in six months, whenever the crime, the toxicology report comes back and they say, hey, this was a fentanyl overdose, instead of working that like a crime scene like they should have, they uh, – you know, they just package it up as this death and they send it on about its way. And when you go back, try to work that crime scene, obviously six months later, there's no crime scene, mm. no integrity of a crime scene or anything else. So they're teaching this class to work with metro agencies and other stuff and responding and treating these as murder one crime scenes. Because in the state of Oklahoma, if you um, overdose somebody, 
you know, whether it's on purpose or not on purpose, and you dealt in the, the drugs, it's it's murder. So um, they're working these, and they've actually got a couple of convictions. So it's something we did kind of responding. But what they were showing us is what, what these companies are doing. So they're buying fentanyl in China, shipping it to Mexico. And in Mexico, they're doing pill presses where mm-hmm. they're mixing it to make it look like ibuprofen. They're mixing it to make it look like Xanax or um, other any other prescription narcotics. And he said basically the ATF in terms of their seizures and stuff and in the metro and working with our other uh, drug task force stuff is that they've received no pills, like intercepted any real pills anymore. So in the last like year, all the pills that they're intercepting, they're moving when you're finding 30,000 tablets of like, you know, this, it's not, it's not people buying grandma's pills anymore. You can't go to the doctor and you can't bamboozle that system. Hmm. So they're all fake pills that look like whatever they're on their fentanyl. So he said, hmm. that, he said, honestly, a street cop. And they told us, if you come across anything, if it's not in a prescription bottle, and he said, you will catch people that they've stolen a prescription or they've bought a prescription for somebody or whatever. But if you come across those pills, he's like, treat it like fentanyl because there's a 90% chance that's what it is. Wow. Uh, hmm. So it's something that, you know, and we don't, we don't, we're not even allowed to test it. We have anything that is, so we'll test meth and a few other things like that, you know, we know what it is most of the time. But if we come across any pills, um, we specifically send it to OSBI. We don't touch it anymore. We don't do anything hmm. just because you don't want to run the risk of, of doing it. But yeah, and see what we've run across <coughs> stuff we run across is like it's been meth and you go to test it and just pull one of the fent tests just to just to see. <coughs> you got it mixed in with the meth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you'll find we have a ton of stuff that's laced. They cut it with with other stuff and we will will so we're we ordered more and actually what the the atf uses and what we're going to start using is they don't even use the you know like nick's test where you can Mm -hmm. put stuff in there so they've done away with that for fentanyl and it's literally like a it's like a piss test you know that you would take like somebody you're going to test them to see if they have any drugs in their system really you take that but it's specifically for fentanyl so you just take a little bit of the powder in the bottom of this cup there's liquid put in there you just whirl it around it tells you whether or not it's fentanyl and then you can package the whole thing and throw it away hmm. so they said this is the most accurate test they found and because hmm. uh, what we're running into too is we get a lot of false positives on fentanyl tests so hmm. a lot of substances will do a false positive and then when you set it off to get uh analyzed they'll come back and say it's not fentanyl hmm. or whatever and if you guys do come across any pills this is another thing that they're running into the state lab when you send them a pill say hey we want this identified hmm. they will if you don't specifically say that you want it tested for this this and this substance they'll kick it back and say yeah we we looked at it and it's you know, it's a Percocet because they're identifying it visually. They won't actually break it apart and test it unless you specifically request. Hmm. So we've had some of those get kicked back that now we don't know if that's what they are or not because we didn't specifically request. You know, in the in the past it's happened. So, uh, but mainly user amounts, man. We haven't had anything. The Metro, so our Sheriff's Office that patrols our Metro, they've been getting their interdiction teams been getting a ton of stuff off the interstate. Hmm. But um, that's us, good. just a lot of user stuff. And a lot of ours are the rich kids, you know, going through the high school phase and stuff that we'll find user amounts on and stuff, but it hasn't been a ton of anything crazy actually. Mm. So we've had some, my first day at FTO, we had a good standoff with a guy that came out with a gun. We're in, we're in a vest. Oh, are you me, telling this one? Yeah. So me and my yes. partner, so we, so we get a, uh, we get, we get a call uh, from the city manager and he says, Hey, um, we've had one of our city employees get assaulted. So I drive over there and start talking to her. Well, she didn't really get assaulted. She guy came out and threatened her, um, he said, hey, if you don't get off my property, yeah, I'm going to shoot you. And she was like, okay. So she leaves, rightly so. So she calls us, and I said, well, let's go over there. And the city manager and one of the public works guys is like, we'll come over there, and we'll we'll stand there and just make sure he leaves you guys alone while you disable his water. So we get over there, and he's welded the the box closed with a water meter. So they're like, he's like, well, let me go get my tools, and I'll be right back. So we're standing there. 
And the guy comes out and he's like, hey, you guys need to leave. This is my private property. Like, you don't have a reason. He said, well, this is a public easement and we're just hanging out here until they're done and then we'll be, we'll be going. And he looks at me and he's like, hey, uh, I'm going to go inside and strap up and uh, come back out. You remember I shoot better than you guys do. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, no, now we're not. So he'll take off. We take off trying to, you know, keep from going back because he beats us back inside. So I was like, all right, boys, let's like keep an eye out. Comes back out, wearing full battle rattle, got a gun in his hand. And we're like, oh, so we set up a perimeter. They what uh, the hell? negotiate with him for hours. He's dude, he's crazy. So he's talking about he he's a special agent, did all this other stuff. And uh, so I start doing some research on where we're staying out there. And he's got some VPOs outstanding and um, some other stuff. And he has a warning that says, you know, prior law enforcement. I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, he starts talking about how he has weapons of mass disruption. And if we don't leave, he's going to blow up the world and he's going to do this. And his son is the, one of his sons is the antichrist, but one of his sons is Christ. So they balance each other out. He can control the world. and like, you know, like, you know, the typical like crazy guy and uh, eventually talk him out. We have to like forcefully take him into custody. Well, then when I start doing a little research, guy really is a former, we worked at the same federal prison and uh, was an ICE agent for a while. And uh, just went off his rocker and uh, ended up getting fired and do some stuff. But so, yeah, that was the first day of FTO back from the academy was this guy. And I was like, well, this is the way to start it. And then everything else since then seemed a little boring because we like, you know, the stuff. But um, we've had some we've had some good stuff since we've been there. Uh, caught a serial burglar that caught him like in progress as he's leaving a house. That was pretty cool. But in the last month and a half, it's been a really quiet. ton of domestics. We get a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a a wealthier um, city the population is. So it's a lot of like civil stuff, a lot of domestic stuff, not as cool, but we're fortunate in the fact that we have a super good police chief and she's very big on, Hey, go out and do your job, go out and get the bad guys. You know, oh, she'll yeah. let us chase people. She'll let us do stuff. So uh, very fortunate in that front. And she, they try to get us the best equipment and training we can get. Well, you know, we have people come out all the time doing trainings for the department and stuff. So very fortunate on where I ended up um, like them a lot, you know, uh, a lot of the residents, like I said, because of the type mm-hmm. of people they are, they're really frustrating to deal with. But honestly, that's a lot better than some of the places you could get stuck. So it's been it's been fun. It's like I said, it's a huge change going from here to there, mm-hmm. you know, doing stuff. Just the amount of traffic. I was like, why are there so many people out at three a.m.? Like you know, they're like, oh wait, we're in a, like a we're in a, right next to the major metro. That's why there's people out at three a.m. You know, and uh, and you can kind of. You like kind of we and they were still small enough that you know some kind of some of your frequent flyers, right? You know, okay, hey, these are the so and sos, and they live at this house, and they're the we you know we arrest them every other week for dealing dope, or you know, you go here, okay, this is the this is the place where, you know, whatever. We have a lot of a lot of animals at large. That's another thing mm-hmm. I don't miss. Like you think for a city the size we are, this is the, oh this is Farmer John, and these are his cows that get out every week. And you go down here, okay. this is little Susie's horse that gets out all the time. Which I about smoked a horse the other morning. That was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're supposed to be a three man town, right? We're supposed to have three people on duty all the time, and because of our staffing level lately, there's one of us. So coming back from the jail, have calls pending, and I'm like flying up one of our like roads coming back from the interstate. And come over this, dude, this little horse just comes like trotting out, stops and like looks at me. So I'm like full lock and brakes on the crown, Vic, coming to a <laughs> squeal and stop. And that don't let all go and no woe. Yeah, yeah, it's all go, go and no woe, woe. Yeah, uh, this thing is a pile, man. It's been totaled three times. Hey, it's only got 124,000 miles on it, though. Mm. So, you know, it's got it's a just lot of life broken. left. Oh, yeah. So, except for the seat, whatever dude wallered this seat out he just did a number on this thing there's no padding left like it's miserable but so slide to a stop i kind of honk the horn at this horse and he just takes off running so we chase i like follow him for like a quarter mile 
And he runs up to this house where the gate's locked, but it's got all these horses on it. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a clue. And so like, look, so <laughs> there, and little, little Susie comes out. She's like five. And she's like, that's my horse. And she's like, because of there. And all I could think the whole time was like, man, if I had smoked that horse, she'd have never forgave me. <laughs> like, she'd have hated cops until she died. Yeah. <laughs> that one killed me, killed my horse named Toby. I'm like, oh. I hate so, the police. Yeah. <laughs> Worst people. And then my first domestic, my first real domestic. So we get called. It's like just 6 a.m. And I'm FTOing with the captain. The captain's been in the same city for like 20 years. He's a big old dude. They call him tiny. He's like 6'8", probably weighs 480 pounds. I mean, Jeez. He's, he, his, dude, he's huge. Anyway, so we get there, and they're like, hey, it's a domestic in progress. These two brothers are fighting. Mom's called it in. And we get there, and it's a pretty, like, nice trailer house. They've got a decent setup. And we get up there, and one of the brothers is well-to-do. He's an electrician. Well, he's taking care of the rest of the family. So the rest of the family is what we call tweaker, probably Tweak's cousins as they live up there. And uh, so they are all like, you know, it's just a big meth demeanor around there. So anyway, uh, <laughs> brother and well-to-do brother have been fighting. And he comes out and he goes, I tell you what, he's like, I got up. He's like, I'm the only one that works. I'm the only one that does anything around here. He said, I got up to go to work. He said, I got to go take a shower in there. And I walk in and this guy's his kids have shit in my bathtub. So I went in there and I woke him up, told him to come clean it up. So the the, uh, the tweaker brother's like, that's not what happened. And mom's like holding them back between the two of them when I get there. He said, that's not even what happened. He said, my kids didn't shit in your bathtub. He said, it was a cat that shat in your bathtub. And he was like, we don't have a cat. And he was like, well, it's probably, that's probably what it was. And they're like arguing. And then they're both like, well, you come in here and look at it. And you tell me what you think it is. Like, I'm not going in there. I'm not looking. And then the captain's like, go in there and look at it. And I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> so I go in there with all the guys and I'm like, yeah, that ain't cat shit if I ever seen it. <laughs> and then here's the fights back on again. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I was just like, this is the worst. I was like, this is what I signed up for. I said, I did not come to look at poo in a bathtub <laughs> for family disputes. Oh, I did. I Old people, man, the way I deal with it. Oh, wait a minute. How did you determine that it wasn't cat shit? It was yeah, massive. Like, it, was, it was massive and it was in swirls. I've never seen cat shit in swirls. <laughs> I never seen a cat looking to like do soft serve. Like, no, it was, it was, it was nasty. And, they, and it wasn't. So the thing is, this is what's wild. It wasn't just one like shit. And it wasn't like okay, there's a little soft serve and a little the little dinger flyer flew over there. No, it was like multiple. So it's like at some point in throughout the night, this kid got up. There's two of them. And they just both went in there and squatted and took shits in this man's bathtub. <laughs> like, there was, like it, wasn't, it wasn't just one. It was like multiple little soft serve piles. Oh, my God. And I was like, and they don't have a cat or a dog. So, like, if it was a cat or raccoon that broke in, like, I ain't never seen anything like I'll that. I'll never be able to eat frozen yogurt again. <laughs> <laughs> little milk duds dotted out through there. But anyway, so. <laughs> but it's, I get so tired of the, you know, and I know you, uh, you know, working for a sheriff's office, you know, that all the civil stuff. I always, my famous line is start a deputy. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's going on. Thanks. Start a deputy. Start OHP. That's really not Jason's just sitting here like you're a bastard. No, and really, so, and it, it does drive me nuts. Like, and that's one thing. Like, I've done VPO service, done emergency VPO service, stuff like that. And they're always like, oh, well, we got to call a deputy. I'm like, no, anybody can do it, man. Like, it literally says right here that anyone can do this and do a return and you give it back to. And so that's, I, that does drive me nuts. And like, I don't, I try not to argue jurisdiction with people unless it's something that, like, I had a crash the other day that was a bus. And it was just on our, like on the other side. I was like, no, uh-uh. it's full of school kids. Like, that is yours. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the assistant chief from that agency is the one patrolling because they can't keep anybody. And he comes over and he's like, I'm not taking He said, I'm the assistant chief. And I was like, 
well, I'm not, but that's not my jurisdiction. So, <laughs> and he's like, I'm not taking, he's like, I'm calling the chief. And I was like, well, you can call the chief. She's going to tell you, look at the jurisdiction map and it's yours. And like it's on this side. And eventually he's like, well, I'll just work it. And I was like, thank you. So we like, we, so we left, but no, so he's, you know, the civil stuff, I go out there and there's old people and they're living in a super nice neighborhood and they're arguing about the fence line, right? Like, oh, mm. this side is his and this side's, and they're out there with like oh, tape God, measures and yeah. yardsticks. And I'm like, <laughs> And they're like going back and forth. And you could tell this is like, you know, as they do, it's much more than whatever this is, right? Like it's always some incident. That's, oh, it started 20 years ago when John told Susie, you know, this and like whatever. So I was like, can we go inside and sit down for a little bit? So we like go in there. And I was like, I just want you to understand that you're a 65-year-old man with your 63-year-old wife and your 50-year-old neighbor. And you've called a 23-year-old kid to sit here and do this. Like how does that make you feel that I'm sitting here having to play like your parents – and they kind of look at each other. I was like, so what's going on? And they're like, oh, no. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm here. Like, I've taken time out of my day to come sit with you people. <laughs> what's going on? Like, let's talk about it. And they're like, so and then, then they get down this long rabbit hole. Well, like six months ago, this happened. And seven months ago, this happened. And I didn't like the way that he he said this. And I was like, and so they come to this like, I was like, is, now, is this so hard? Like, when you have issues, you just come over here and say, hey, I'm mad because you did that. Please don't do that now, anymore. And they're like. We're so sorry. And like, like, I was like, so you guys want to report? No, 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 no report needed. And I'm like, okay, great. And what's what's bad is that's such a rarity. Oh, yeah. To get people that will actually communicate and, you know, be civil. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, too. And like, we'll go over there. If I hear one more time false advertising, the amount of times I get called for false advertisement, I'm like, God, I got calls like, I went to buy this car off Craigslist and it wasn't what he told me it was. And I want to press charges for false advertisement. I was like, well, first off, that's my other pet peeve. They say, I want to press charges. You don't get to press charges, unfortunately. That ain't how that works. But you've watched a lot of TV. But anyway, so we go over there and I'm like, that's not how that works, man. Like, you can't. You can't do that. I'm sorry that you didn't like what his ad said, but don't buy it. It's like my best solution. Or they'll call about, man, nosy neighbors are the worst. You know, it's like, oh, well, nobody's supposed to be over at John Smith's house. I get to John. And it's John. He's outside digging at 3 a.m. I don't know what he's doing or why he's doing it, but <laughs> yeah. like, it's his house. Leave him alone. Like, yeah. I, let him be. Or they'll say, you know, we get one that she calls all the time. There's cars coming in and out of there all times of night. So I go over there and I'm like, hey, man, what? So he's like, yeah, he's like, those are all my cars, and my friends drive Uber for me, and then they pay me to use my cars. He's like, so yeah, they come through here all the time picking up cars to go drive Uber. <laughs> and he also has, like, Amazon delivery vehicles that he, like, contracts out. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, so they're coming in and out because they come pick up their cars. He's like, I don't know what she wants me to do. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of mind her business, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, people – and then they'll call the police over the wild – but then they won't call it. So we had a – we had a burglary at one of our sports complexes. And exactly. It's not just it's not just here. Yeah. So there's a, <laughs> everywhere. So there's an audible alarm going off and the guy drives by and sees three kids dressed in all black with hoodies on running from this building. And he said, Well, I thought it was really weird. And I was like, You're the same guy that called because your neighbor wouldn't turn his Christmas lights off after eleven. <laughs> like you're the I, yeah, and then you see these three people running. Why would you not call the police? Like I just hey, this is a weird incident happened. So, no, I don't know. I did get myself rocked the other day. I got headbutted like I've never been headbutted oh, yeah? my whole life. I thought it broke my nose. <laughs> so I was all the way up on the north side. So our town's about 27 square miles. So I'm up on the I'm up on the north, very north part of the town. Got a call for a, a reckless – or I'm sorry, he was a, a – they call it a drunkard. It's the way they put it out over the radio. But he's down on the very side, side, of, side side of the town, like barely in our jurisdiction. Like if he takes 10 steps to the – 
to the south. He's out of it. And they're like, hey, he's laying there passed out in the parking lot. He's got a beer in his hand. He's just like laying there. I was like, okay, well, I'll drive down there. And I'm thinking, so okay. So you grab him by the ankle. Yeah. Well, what I'm thinking is, feet, is I'm like, I'm going to get this dude a ride home or he's or going just, to detox. You just wake him up, ask him to take 10 steps to the south. <laughs> yeah. So we can, so we have, we have a place in the metro we can take that's a detox. You don't have to file charges. You don't have to do anything. You just take him there and they can sleep there and they sober up. They can get released. And uh, so I'm like, and then. As I'm dr- I'm kind of moseying down there, like, hopefully this dude just meanders off before I get there. And they're like, hey, he just got in his pickup truck, and he's doing circles in the parking lot, and he can't figure out how to leave. <laughs> oh, so, I'm like, oh, no. so I'm like, drive a little bit faster now. Like, oh, please be gone. Like, hopefully he figures out how to go south. And so you know, they're like driving there. Like, so HP's problem now. So uh, I like get there. And they said, oh, he's parked, and the hazards are on, and he's he's sleeping. So he's hopped up on the curb. The truck's kind of parked there. Hazards are on. Both mirrors are dangling off the truck. So I I roll up behind it, kind of block him in. I go up there, and he's just like sprawled out across his truck, laying across the thing, just sound asleep. And he's got – there's a 24-rack of cords in the bottom of his truck. It's empty. And he's got the last one in his hand open, like just sitting there. And I was like (sighs) – And I'm the only one on duty, right, on a Saturday night. So I open the door, and I'm like, hey – Nothing. Hey. And he kind of turns and looks at me. What? And I was like, hey, man, have you been drinking? No. no, no, no. I don't drink. And he's like, hold on. I said, what's that? Is that not a beer? And he said, this? No. And he like puts it back down and kind of sits. I was like, all right, man. So I walk over and get out. And he's like blasted. Well, he's doing this thing, too, where he's like, 10-4, affirmative. Yes, sir. And he's like, sir, yes, sir. He's like doing this thing. So I get him out. And I get him through field sobriety. And he is plastered. I mean, like three sheets to the wind. And uh, he's been fine up there. So I put him in cuffs and put him back in my car. And then that's when it all starts, right? Like, that's when I guess it sets into his drunk mind that, okay, I'm going to jail. He starts <laughs> kicking and doing stuff. It's like, hey, man, you can't. Somebody already busted out the back window of my Crown Vic. Through, we have the metal bars and stuff in there, and they, kick, they still broke it out. So it kind of flops. So every time he kicks it, it goes, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like that thing, you know. So, so I know he's angry. He's like ringing the bell. Talk so, about hoopties. Yeah, hey, listen. <laughs> so. We have all new cars on order, and we can't get them in. We've had them for like nine months. They've been sitting there. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so make sure the truck can drive, and I park it, you know. So now if it's in a like mm. in a secure place, you can't take it. So park it, lock it up, and get back in there. And then he starts, you know, he's doing the, the, the mood roller coaster. Fuck you, and fuck this. And I'm sorry, man. Like, let's just work this out. Like, yeah. I can't, you know. And then, and then he's like taking a nap, and he wakes back up, and he's angry, and he starts yelling. I'm like, hey, man, like, you need to calm down. So we get to the PD, and one of the deputies is going to help me. So he's running the intox for me. And as we're walking in, there's a little cage where you kind of sit them in the intox machine. You know, it's like probably two people wide and like three people deep. You could, you know, but there's just a bench. You sit there, and there's a hole cut out for the the intox machine. And he says, hey, man, I don't, I don't want to sit inside there. I'm claustrophobic. I said, okay, what I'll do, I'll tell you what, I'll, op- I'll leave the door open and you can sit down there as, you know, since you're going to, because he's been cooperative up till this point, really. He was a little bit squirrely when you go put the cuffs on, but you know, a lot of people are, you know, they mm-hmm. start, you know, being a little oh, yeah. nervous. And uh, he's like, I don't want to fight you, man. I was like, hey, I don't, listen, I don't want to. F-. And all of a sudden, he just, with everything he has, jumps forward and just headbutts the crap out of me. I mean, just oh. like fly. And I was like, oh, you bought the ticket now, you know? So, <laughs> like, so, so. Deppy and I assist him in the cage, and uh, he takes a he blows a point two seven point two six. Holy damn! Yeah. So he was. I mean, he was he was shwasted. <laughs> shwasted. Yeah, and, I like uh, that. I've had a point so, two three before, but nothing like that. Yeah, that's the highest. Yeah. We, that's the highest I've ever seen. I didn't know. I mean, so we took him. You know, and as we're going to county, he's doing that up and down. Hell, he calls us all kinds of uh, racial slurs and stuff too. It was great. I put that all that in my report, and the captain's like, "Are you sure you want to?" 
put this stuff in here? I'm like, yeah, that's what he said. Like, I want everybody to know. This is what happened. You know? like, and the body camera footage is great. So I wear it like dead center of my chest on my outer carrier. And so like all you see is him. And you see him, he makes the face and he's wham. And I said, and then they've got cameras all over there for the intox stuff. So it's beautiful. I can't get any better than this. <laughs> and uh, so we take him with, we're going to jail. He starts crying. I can't go to jail, man. It says it's the jail in Oklahoma City is where everybody dies. And I was like, yeah. I was like well, you know, unfortunate. As we're like, you should have thought about that. Yeah, 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 buddy. He's like, can I go to Cleveland County, please? And I was like, no, because he lives in Norman. So I was like, no, you can't go to Cleveland County. But why? As he's like crying. I was like, he's like, they're going to beat me up. So just headbutt him. As we're like, driving up there, you know, like, like yes. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, Oh, hey, I'm gonna slow you down no, right there. I know you're on a roll. We've uh, we're hitting a point where we're gonna cut this thing off. Yeah, you're good. We're gonna get you on another episode. I love the stuff that you're saying. I'm telling you, man. And also, I mean, we kind of need to speak and let everybody he's, know we're still here. Yeah, yeah we're here. He's, he's got I mean, some good stuff. He's just kind of taking it over. Yeah, right? Listen, but hey, don't don't lose that go. traction. We're gonna shut this one off, and then we're gonna get us another one going. Sounds with good. All right, I appreciate. it. All right, yep. thanks for listening. Later. You've been listening to Code 0.5, the lighter side of police work. If you have ideas or suggestions for our show, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our website at Code05.co. That's Code05.co. And please consider making a donation at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Code05. Be sure to use the digits 05. Thanks for listening to Code 0.5.